0: Hello, everyone. We are so excited to have Dr. Karen Binder-Brines back on our podcast today. She is a leading psychologist and has had a private practice in New York City for over 25 years. She has a general practice, but she's also a trauma specialist and has worked with the frontline of COVID-19 workers firefighters after 9-11. She did work in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina with Holocaust survivors and so much more. She regularly contributes to The New Yorker, Tracy Anderson, Bustle, Vogue, Goop, and more. We have previously had Dr. Karen on our podcast to discuss how to stay mentally healthy during COVID. We will link that episode in the show notes. Today, we have the very exciting task of talking about mental health, as we re-emerge into this new world. I was just singing a whole new world to mom (laughs) from Aladdin. So thank you for being here, Dr. Karen. Thank you for inviting me back.
1: I'm I'm excited to uh, speak with you and your mom and your viewers. So here we are, that's right.
0: I know, so how are your clients feeling these days, I feel like the, you know, the vaccines, this is all kind of happening maybe quicker than expected. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of things that go into that.
1: People are speaking about mental health um, more than ever before. And I think it's so very important because mental health is so often neglected in the world. And I think part of what's come out of the pandemic is a new awareness about the importance of mental health and people being aware of emotional and psychological issues, not just in a pandemic, but every day of the week. Mm -hmm. So back to my patients, just like when we went into the pandemic, coming out of the pandemic creates different experiences for different people. There are some universal experiences and adjustments both ways, but everybody is going through this new beginning in different ways, and that includes my patients. Of course, I'm here in New York City. New York State has lifted the mask requirement, and you can walk around the streets of New York City, and I would say that outside, even in the nice weather, probably about 30 to 40% of people are still wearing their masks. Right. The difference is, in the middle of the pandemic at the height of the pandemic if you were walking on the street and you saw somebody walking without a mask your eyes shot daggers at them yes one of the adjustments which i'm finding so interesting is being able to walk on the street see people without masks and not feel like they're endangering my life
0: right Mm -hmm.
1: now i am fully vaccinated We know right now that 50% of the country is vaccinated and President Biden is striving towards 75% by July 4th. In New York State and in New York City, the percentage of vaccinations is even higher. But not everybody's vaccinated. People are still feeling mixed about their level of comfort, both Mm -hmm. outdoors and of course, indoors. It's very interesting to see who is running right back out, ripping their masks off, and who feel as if they're still at the height of this pandemic. Right. It's an individual experience. There are some people, for instance, I have a friend. She's got an immune-compromised body. She's Mm. still terrified. Sure. Mm -hmm. Even though she was vaccinated, when you're immune-compromised, you're not always sure whether or not your body has mounted the same level of immune response as someone who isn't. So that's one example. A big, big issue that everybody is dealing with, I think, and it's funny because you showed me the Saturday Night Live clip, is that people have forgotten how to socially interact. they are struggling with that as they're going back out, first starting just being with family, and then as they expand who they're gonna be with. Most of us have not been with gatherings of more than four or five people, our immediate family for over a year. Right. To all of a sudden find yourself in a room full of people or a noisy restaurant or a wedding, a party, which are beginning to happen again, it's just not natural anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I begun to see patients in my office again, if they're vaccinated. And I have to say that the first few times it felt really weird.
2: Mm.
0: As okay.
1: taking off my mask and walking on the street, which I finally did. And mm. what I felt was, and, and I'm hearing this from patients too, is there's sort of a nakedness that you feel. We're used to using our eyes to communicate, not our faces. So to Mm -hmm. have our faces out there again has been really
2: interesting for people and not so easy. Dillia is still trying to figure out when she is going to take off the mask. She's vaccinated. How do you feel about all that Dillia?
0: Well, different from you. The next thing to talk about is trust. I mean, I, I feel like trust probably with the healthcare system and the government and these different organizations You know, they say one thing and then the next day or very soon after whatever length of time, they say something different. So what do we actually really know? Like in some cases, I do take off the mask and whatever, but I'm also happy to continue to wear the mask. And as a fellow New Yorker, you can we understand that it's kind of the sign of respect. I mean, it's probably less of a health risk. We're fine, we can walk around, they said, but also we're continuing to want to protect others. So, what is it that we can actually yeah. trust?
1: First of all, I'm so glad you brought that up, Delia, because that is a universal feeling among my patients and my friends and my kids, which is there's been a tremendous amount of mixed information. Right. You know, first, we can take off the mask. We don't know whether the vaccines hold up to strains. Now they're saying they do hold up to strains. We don't know whether you can pass the virus along if you're vaccinated. Now they're saying that the chances that you will pass it along if you're doubly vaccinated are minimal. But every day the information is coming out different. And so there is a lot of confusion. And when there's confusion, there's uncertainty, and when there's uncertainty, there's fear. So I I agree that right now, as much as we're trying to rely on science, the science is changing daily. I think just yesterday, both Moderna and Pfizer came out saying that they do believe that their, their doses and their vaccines are holding up to some of these strains. On the other hand, I am hearing through patients and, again, acquaintances, that people have gotten COVID who have been vaccinated. right? None of them have gotten very sick. None of them have been hospitalized. So there is some feeling that even if you were to be exposed to COVID now and even test positive for it, you may not have symptoms or you probably won't get that sick. Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: we've lived in terror now for... 15 or 16 months and our bodies became adjusted to these higher levels of mm. adrenaline and cortisol. I think we spoke about these stress hormones in our last podcast. Your body doesn't just go back to its normal pre-trauma level overnight. We are still walking around hyper and right. cortisol cursing through our bodies. And In some cases, and this will begin to happen, there will begin to be adrenal withdrawal and cortisol withdrawal as we start feeling more safe in being out in the world. And then what you can experience is fatigue, depression, Mm -hmm. because the body has been so hyper aroused for so long. This is a very similar thing that happens when veterans return home from war zones where, Mm -hmm. even though they're not in danger anymore and you think they'd be so happy to be home, they actually become quite depressed and lethargic because Mm -hmm. they're in adrenal withdrawal.
2: Mm -hmm. So
1: We have two things going on. We have the fact that we're all trying to relax and feel safe, but bodies have been so hyper aroused for so long. Then we have the aspect that some, as we keep saying, There is no book of rules here. So some people have ripped off their masks, they're eating indoors, they're dancing at weddings, and other people are still terrified every time they walk out the door. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what changed, I think, is, and this I am hearing about, is we were all sort of in this together. Mm. Everybody was pretty much, I'm not going to go into politics, there were some people that believed this was a hoax and... Et cetera, et cetera, But for the most part, we were all in this together, not only in this country, but in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the most unique aspects of this pandemic is that it is worldwide. Mm-hmm. Other pandemics were not worldwide. They, they hit several countries and there were terrible deaths, but this was all over the world. So, you know, researchers are going to be studying this for years based mm-hmm. on different countries, different cultures. But we had that feeling of universality with the right. world for a short period of time. Right. And now you know now things are changing so we may be doing better here in the united states but look what's going on in japan we still don't know if we're going to have the olympics there unfortunately poor india has been just devastated we're hearing about strains all around so Mm -hmm. it's very hard to just say okay it's over now we just go back to normal what is normal I told you, Allison, that I wrote a piece for um, Tracy Anderson's Summer Magazine comparing coming back out to gardening. The one thing I've learned, I'm an amateur gardener, is that my garden is never the same year after year. No matter what you do, when after the winter sleep, which I compare the pandemic to sort of a mm-hmm. winter sleep, mm-hmm. things start blooming again but they don't look the way they looked the year before. Some look. Some of your plants look great and they're abundant. Other of events are withering. Mm-hmm. Some things have taken over other things and you constantly have to readjust. And I think that's where we're at. We are never going back to the pre-pandemic normal mm-hmm. ever. There isn't a occupation that will be the same. Uh, there isn't a cultural event that will be the same. There won't be sporting events the same. We won't be traveling the same way. It will look different. And as we come out and we start realizing that, there'll be new adaptations and adjustments. And so this is what my patients are talking about. Things that they were complaining about now feel so comfortable and familiar that they're hesitant to give it up.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right, right. Yeah. I don't want to tell people I'm vaccinated because I'm not ready. (laughs)
1: Right. Well, People are saying that, or I'm not ready to go to a dinner party, or I can't even imagine getting on an airplane. Although many people are traveling, there's a lot of people that are still terrified at the thought of being enclosed in an airplane, a subway car, a bus.
2: The idea that there's still so much unknown, it's this constant feeling of, of, of fear, it's just, you know, now it's, it's just gonna continue in a different way. Like, what is the world gonna be like now? Is, do we even wanna go out there? And yet
1: we have to go out there. That's another aspect is what does your individual life expect from you? So some people have to go back to work. Right. Uh-huh. My friend who's a teacher at a school here in Manhattan had to go back a couple of months ago even therapists like myself. I mean, this is so interesting. We're we're all discussing this. You know, many therapists gave up their offices and left the city or left wherever they were. And we've all been working remotely. What's going to happen in my field? I don't think it's ever going to be the same. I don't think people, especially here in the city, are going to get on a subway for half an hour to come to a 45 minute session to get back on a subway. They can even get on the subway during rush hour Mm
2: -hmm. When
1: they can, when they can see their therapist on zoom or FaceTime, everything has changed. Telemedicine. Right. Right. We're never going to go back to medicine the way it was just like my garden things. We're going to come back. We're going to bloom again, but it's going to look very different and there's uncertainty in that. So going back to, you know, uncertainty can lead to fear and sadness because as human beings, we all like predictability. Mm. It's a very, very interesting time. All the mechanisms that we use to adapt, which we did very, very well. I mean, look at the technology, people zoom, people, people learned how to be technical even if they weren't technical. We mm-hmm. did get used to seeing our therapists and our doctors online. People you know, figured out ways to work at home and have their children home learning school. Everything we used to adapt, which we did, we now have to use those same adaptive mechanisms to come back out into the world. But it doesn't happen overnight. And so my advice to people is to not have expectations for themselves that are too stringent. Like my friends are going out now. Why don't I, why can't, why don't I want to go to that party yet? Boy, I got comfortable seeing my therapist on FaceTime. Now she's back in the office, but I don't feel like going in. What's wrong with me? Going into a supermarket. I mean, I have patients that haven't been in a supermarket since a year ago March. Right. You know, can they walk back in a supermarket? They got used to having everything picked up curbside. Sure. It's just endless how mm-hmm. much changed and now how much needs to change back. People in my field are calling it the post covid syndrome. OK, which I'm glad they're using the word syndrome and not disorder. Yes, because it is a syndrome syndrome that's hitting people. And it doesn't mean that it's bad or it's disordered. It just means it's reality. We've been shut down, we've been locked in, we've been terrified. And now it's sort of like we're peeking our heads out again, like groundhogs.
2: Mm -hmm. It's global, you know, worldwide. Everybody's gonna have some of this. So rather than a disorder, I would think syndrome again makes more sense.
1: Yes. You know, there's, Other things that people are talking about. A lot of people gained weight. Mm -hmm. They were home, they were cooking, they were eating. You know, I'm sure you're hearing about it from your clients. Mm -hmm. I'm certainly hearing about it from my patients. So all of a sudden, we're coming back out in the world and people are saying, uh oh. I haven't cut my hair, I haven't mm-hmm. gained weight, I haven't had a facial, I haven't had a manicure, I haven't gone to the doctor. This is a big, big thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of people ignored their teeth, they ignored their health. And, mm-hmm. you know, so one of the things that's happening is people are having to face consequences of, you know, what they were doing during the lockdown.
2: Mm-hmm
1: and that's causing some anxiety for people. Everybody know, I know is on the intermittent fasting diet right now, and so it, it is COVID
2: five. Right, well, at five. least five, yeah. <laughs> but also it's, it's spring and summer. So not only, right. you know, you got to put on bathing suits and yeah. it's not like we're coming out of this in the middle of winter. So it's, that's it right. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I think also people were drinking more than they normally drank. Right. Doing certain drugs more than they normally did. And so now there's the awakening. Do I still want to keep drinking at this level or doing drugs at this level? And then can I stop? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. You know, there's also been a lot of wonderful things. There really have. I think that we shouldn't be all negative because I think one of the things that we have realized is how very adaptive and resilient we are as a species.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: We did adapt. I mean, unfortunately, there were many, many, many. I, I don't want to ignore the fact that there were. You know, millions of deaths worldwide, which, you know, right. we all have to, to take a moment to grieve and, and mourn for the families and loved ones. But in general, as humans, we really did adapt. I mean, even in India, I, I'm sorry that India is going through the second wave, but they did well the first wave because even where there's absolutely very little possibility of social. You know, not social distancing. Right. Mm-hmm. they were able to figure it out, and I had just gotten back from India right before the pandemic hit. The fact that they weren't wiped out in the first round was miraculous. Mm. Unfortunately, they lifted their their uh, restrictions too quickly and, mm-hmm. and there were some very large religious gatherings that I think created their second round, but it just shows how adaptable people were
2: yeah. That is a very positive thing. And there's so many, just the miracle of the vaccine. But also as we're coming out of this, you know, these mass shootings are starting back up, and these, you know, different hate groups are coming right. up with people that they're going to be targeting and everything. So on top of everything else, what advice do you give to people about how how to navigate that?
1: Yes. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because we can't ignore that also what went on during this pandemic especially in this country was incredible political upheaval Mm -hmm. and you know the whole black lives matter and the whole culture of being woke not only to race issues but gender issues mental health issues so it's been you know we've been just been bombarded as a society with all of these things, and you're right, as people are coming out of the pandemic, I mean, it was such a relief not to hear of a school shooting in a Mm -hmm. year. Right. And part of that was that people weren't in school. What we're seeing now is an explosion of pent up mental illness that went unlooked at and unnoticed during the pandemic. And I think there is a lot of rage and there is a lot of disappointment and, you know, there are people that were really affected by this pandemic, not just the health part, but economically.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, a great deal of this country was, has really been devastated mm-hmm. economically and is still having trouble getting back on their feet. So um, it is very, very scary. Um, again, I don't want to get political on this about guns and gun control, but, you know, we have more guns in this country than people. Most of these mass shooters are mentally ill. They either fell through the cracks of the system or never came to the attention of the system. It's become sort of a,
2: a norm. We're becoming sensitized. Right. Yeah. It's not even front page news anymore. It's almost like, why did they pick this one to cover? You know, breaking news and everything. So there's just so much that's going on that we have to be brave about. But then on top of that, we've all been dealt this blow so as far as going back out and learning to trust people again and to be brave and
1: what are i think you have to listen as i said to you when we spoke the last time everybody Mm -hmm. has their own level of risk tolerance you know for instance here in new york city there's been a, a tremendous uptick in subway crime Right. And there are people that go on the subway as if that hasn't happened. And there are other people that right now that always used to take the subway, won't get on the subway. I think it's very important to be honest with yourself about what feels comfortable to you and what doesn't and not feel guilty about it. And to try to be honest with your friends and loved ones and colleagues about where you're at and also not be judgmental. I think one of the things that happens is everybody becomes so judgmental. Like, oh, she won't wear her mask or she will wear it. She won't take her mask off or, Mm -hmm. you know, know, why won't she meet me outside for dinner yet? What I always say, especially when it comes to a group gathering, everybody has to respect, go to the lowest rung. Whoever is the least comfortable Mm -hmm. has to be respected Mm -hmm. when you're planning events or planning parties, like, for instance, my younger daughter's having a baby in September and we're having a shower for her. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I, you know, the whole discussion, some of her, some of my friends are making the shower with me. We had a whole discussion about should the food come in individually prepared boxes at this point Mm -hmm. or can we have a buffet with vaccinated waiters? handing out individual plates, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the women in the group that's doing this is still very uncomfortable about doing a buffet style event. And even though the rest of us weren't as uncomfortable, we had to respect her. Right. Because, you know, as I said, it sort of trickles down. Now, if two years from now there isn't a virus around and we see that the vaccinations work and someone still needs a boxed event, then you can start trying to deal with that person. And that brings me to a point, what the research is saying right now is in the whole population in this country, they haven't studied other countries, only little less than 10%. So one out of 10 people are going to have more long-term emotional stress that's above and beyond what's necessary.
2: Mm -hmm. That
1: Most of us, so 90% of us, are going to go back to being able to live our lives with changes but without Mm -hmm. the constant terror that we've been living with.
2: So it That's a good
1: statistic. It really is that, you know, because in PTSD statistics, usually we have, the numbers hover around 30%. So that if people are in a severe trauma, like a war, um, about 30% of them will go on to develop some post-traumatic stress symptoms. So this is less. Right. And I think it's less because it was so universal. and. Right. Because we have witnessed, and I don't think we should, I think we need to really, really emphasize this. And you brought this up in one of your previous questions that you sent to me, Delia. We have witnessed modern science at its Mm -hmm. greatest achievement. Mm -hmm. That they were able to create these vaccines as quickly as they did is a miracle.
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: And they work. Yes, there's been a few very rare people has had some bad reactions, mm-hmm. but there are, that's, it's no higher than the bad reactions that people have to any vaccination. Right. Sure. These are the things we have to really step back and pat ourselves on the back about as a species. Science has prevailed here. And I mm-hmm. think that gives us a lot of hope. And it also gives us hope that God forbid there's another outbreak of a virus. They now know how to dismantle the DNA. Oh, I don't know if you know this, but they dismantled the DNA of this virus literally overnight. Wow. Right. The trouble is they had a test, you know, they had to go right. through all the protocol so it, it couldn't come out the next day, but they understood the makeup of this virus in 24 hours. Amazing. That's a miracle.
2: It is a miracle.
1: There's no book of rules. Everybody is experiencing this different. And also, you guys are in the South. I'm in the Northeast. We could be in Florida or Texas. You know, there are places that haven't gone into the kind of lockdowns that other places did. Mm -hmm. And didn't believe in the power of this virus the way other people did. So even within our society, we had many little societies that weren't the same. We're in the honeymoon phase now. Mm. of stuff coming out of this. If you walk around New York City today, it's a beautiful day. People are out, people are eating, people are back yeah. in the stores. It's really coming back alive, but I think it's also like sort of that post-war exuberance. Yeah. You know? right. So we saw pictures of World War II in London and Germany and people dancing in the streets and jumping up and down. And meanwhile, yeah. the cities were in, were totally bombed out. Mm, Right. So, you know, after the honeymoon phase, we have to turn our attention to the rebuilding. And there's a lot of rebuilding that needs to go on in Mm -hmm. our society, economically, racially, in terms of gender, politically. I think it's great that we're, you know, that there's a lot of excitement that things are opening up. But I think we also have to prepare ourselves that there's still sadness around and uncertainty Mm -hmm. and disarray. And, and, and again, you brought up the, the um, serial killings. This is terrible. So all, all the problems we have have not just disappeared because we have a vaccine.
0: No, they're they're more pervasive. So do you feel positive that people can get the help and maybe some laws can change and that this will calm down? I
1: don't necessarily you know, we had mass shootings before the pandemic. Sure. What I'm hoping is that this has made us much more aware of the need for mental interventions and has destigmatized mental illness. And I think it's going on all over the world. It's certainly going on in England, and we all know Oprah is mounting a whole big push for this on, on mm-hmm. her shows and podcasts. So what I'm hoping is that politically and socially, Um, And economically, we can create a situation where everybody has access to mental health and insurance companies, which are notoriously terrible about reimbursing for mental health and that politically, because this all boils down to politics. I mean, gun control, parity for mental illness. You know, we've been fighting for parity in the Senate and the Congress now since I became a psychologist. And. What I mean by parity is that you do not get reimbursed by going to a psychiatrist or psychologist the same way you would get reimbursed if you went to a physician, an MD for something. So if you have a psychosomatic illness and you go to your MD, you're going to get reimbursed from your insurance company. But if you have a psychosomatic issue and then you show up at a psychologist or psychiatrist's office, you're not going to get the same reimbursement. Don't get me going about the powerful (laughs) American Medical Association lobbying. The more people that get help mentally, the less people will be going to doctors.
0: Uh, Oh, yeah, exactly. No, that's what I was speaking to a girl who is an advocate, a disability advocate. And she said, if I don't wear heels, maybe I'll stay out of your office, doctor, but I'll be in the psychologist's office. Right,
1: right. You know, I do hope that we see that we are all connected. I think that's one of the things that has come out of the pandemic, that we realize that we are connected on every level to every other human being on earth, to the climate, to the environment. I hope, I'm a little worried about this because one of the things we know about human beings is we do have short memories. Think about it. Do you remember the last five mass shootings? No. People after the 1918 pandemic, the flu, you know, the Spanish flu, they, you know, right after that came the roaring 20s. Nobody thought about pandemics again. Mm. What I'm hoping is that we remember what we learned during this pandemic and that we stay connected to trying to keep ourselves aware and healthy and take care of our fellow human beings. Right.
0: Right. So I feel like, yes, we were connected, but we were also, people are clearly so beyond feeling this hatred. I feel like there's like the selfishness. I'm not going to get a vaccine. A lot of people are extremely selfish. Nothing is for the greater good. I wish that it was, we're all connected. We're all in this together, but it's like, no, these are, this is me. These are my people. And you are not that. Very much not that. And I'm going to literally kill you or push you to the ground.
1: I'm not sure how much of the hate crimes are now related to the pandemic, although certainly against Asian-Americans, I think there is a connection. And I think that was politically created. You know, there's always been hate in humanity. And that's why I think it's so important that we don't forget how connected we all were. Right. And the other thing is how how much, you know, I, I've been thinking about the frontline workers, you know, how we were looking at people that worked in our grocery stores, that worked in hospitals, that were cleaning the hospital floors. You know, all mm-hmm. the frontline workers that we were all, especially I know in New York City, Delia, you were here, I think, you know, right. every, every night at seven o'clock, this incredible explosion of applause and banging. Right. And I hope we remember that.
2: Right. Right. Absolutely. Every day people turned into heroes. And I've talked to Delia a lot lately about the idea of like looking at life from a scarcity point of view versus like coming from a place of abundance and generosity. And I think so many people were feeling things were just so unfair, I guess, that they quit thinking about other people and just sort of started trying to just survive or something.
1: Yes, And that, and that happens, you know, when you're, when you're under that level of a siege, you become self dash ish, uh, right? We've talked about this self dash ish. You have to protect yourself. You have to protect your family. Uh, and that's what people did. Except there were tremendous amounts of heroes that put, you know, put themselves right. and their families at risk to save other people's lives. Right. Right. And I, don't want to, I don't want us to forget those images. Right. And I don't want us to forget helping neighbors and and doing whatever you could to to help. You know, I think about all the dogs that got adopted. There wasn't a dog left that mm-hmm. that, you know, <laughs> had to go to a kill shelter. <laughs> right. I hope we can remember some of this. Okay. And I think we will. I think we will remember some of it but I think it's important to talk about it. So it helps us remember. Right. Mm -hmm. I know you two are in fashion. I think that's another thing that people sort of really stopped being creative with themselves, with their fashion. People weren't buying anything for a long time. And I think one of the nice things that's happening, and this reminds me of my garden too, because every year in your garden, you may have your perennials, which are your flowers and plants that come back year after year. But you always have to put the annuals in. So you always have to have new flowers that you plant and put in. And I feel like that's going on now a little bit with fashion. Right. You know, in New York City, what I've noticed, women are wearing dresses, they mm-hmm. wear flowery dresses. You know, there's a lot of white. There's a lot of
2: white. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which exactly. I think is symbolic of lightness. Right. Absolutely. The clothes that... Even the clothes that we wore during the pandemic were intentional, even if people didn't realize that they were grabbing that sweatshirt for comfort and protection, not just just because it was there and they didn't care. They cared. They were looking for something to envelop them. And now you see people going out and about dressed in these beautiful colors and everything, and you realize it's like signs of hope, sort of.
1: Right. And I think it's very important. I'm so glad you said that word. I think that's such an important word. We talked about it in the middle of the pandemic and we Mm -hmm. have to talk about it now. And that's the word of hope, that we have to have hope that we're gonna move on, that we're gonna get back to a new normal. It's not the old normal. And we are going to have lingering effects. I mean, I don't think, I can't imagine that I'm ever gonna sit in a Broadway theater again without a mask.
2: Right. somebody coughs next to you and you want to get up and leave. Yeah,
1: I don't think I'm going to probably sit and go on a subway without a mask for a long time. And I hope I keep greeting every grocery worker and talk to them and thank them. And I hope I never stop appreciating all those essential workers.
2: Absolutely.
1: I feel very hopeful right now. I can see a beginning, an uptick in events that people are planning gatherings that they're having, travel is up big. I think you guys know that
2: people are beginning to shop again. Right. So we're coming out of our caves. Right, just even when you see um, an excerpt on TV where a little five-year-old boy gets to see his best friend that he hasn't seen in a year, the, the, you know that's such an emotional thing just to watch, just all the reunions with people. The
1: children have to be looked at children have suffered tremendously being socially isolated from each other and from their teachers Mm. at times where their brains are developing so rapidly and the neurogenesis in their brains is so important. It's the children that are really gonna need a lot of observation and help in readapting to being with other children, being Mm. in schools, separating from their parents. That's another thing I wanna talk about. Separation anxiety, animals, dogs, all these pets that got used to their owners being there 24 hours a day. As people start going back out or back into their offices, there's going to be a tremendous amount of separation anxiety and for children as well. Mm -hmm. Right. People have really reassessed their relationships. Yes. Marriages have either gotten stronger or they're going to end. And this always happens after traumas like this. There were relationships that were founded, especially for single people. they were COVID relationships, and right. some of them are going to end. So mm-hmm. it's going to bring grief about that. And then there'll be the relationships that were founded that are going to last. So right. I think people are reevaluating their relationships as well. for sure. including their jobs, not just you know with right. their, their loved ones, but this is a time of reevaluation. Right, And I'm hearing that a lot from my patients, like, what do I want now in life? What is important now? What
0: did I think was important that isn't?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, 100%. Oh, my goodness. I recently had a situation where I thought I had to leave my apartment, and I had no idea if it would be there when I would get back, and thinking, what do I bring? The only thing I brought was my laptop.
1: (laughs) Right, because everything else was replaceable the only thing that wasn't replaceable miss delia was you <laughs> <laughs> you know and and we have ourselves. i mean i think that's something i learned for myself because i saw my patients at home for many many months you know and i my my husband did have to go into his business so he wasn't there and i spent a great deal of time alone Even Mm -hmm. though I was on Zoom or FaceTime with my patients, I wasn't seeing the guy at the coffee shop. I wasn't seeing my sweet mates, people that you pass on your way to work every day, meeting friends for lunch, going to my yoga classes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I really had to learn to be on my own in a whole new way. And I did it. And I think a lot of us had to do that.
2: With the doctors and the therapists, you know, this was talked a lot about after 9-11 and then like when you have to go in and help with Katrina. But you're also going through this yourself. Yes. Just like in my field, it's very important
1: to have connect to other people that are going through similar things that you are to get validation and commonality. So I, I, of course, I talked to my colleagues and my friends who were in the field and we could commiserate with each other and sort of help each other. And I think in every field people had to do that.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, One
1: Mm -hmm. of the things we, we haven't talked about yet, and Delia, you brought this up before we spoke is zoom fatigue.
0: Oh gosh, yes, why is it so exhausting?
1: Because we're not supposed to be connected through, think about it. You know, there was a thing on 60 Minutes the other day, I don't know if you saw it, but it was about UFOs. And I don't know whether there were UFOs or why. (laughs) I I had a fantasy that if there were aliens and they came down to earth now and observed us, they would say, what are all these people doing sitting in front of these machines all day long? (laughs) What are they doing? I mean, we're not supposed to sit in front of machines. We are social beings. We need to make eye contact, face contact. We need to hug. We need to touch each other. We need to be squished next to each other in subway cars or on buses Mm -hmm. or carpools. We are not meant to be sitting in front of machines all day long. Not only that, dealing with the technical problems, calls being dropped, people showing up in your Zoom, I, I'm not gonna mention who, There was some big scandals this year of people getting caught on Zoom doing things they weren't supposed to be doing.
0: Oh, Lord! <laughs> I did not hear about that. Oh, that sounds terrible.
1: I won't mention the CNN person that got caught. Oh, but- I
0: mean, <laughs> he, the boxer, yeah, yeah.
1: Think about human evolution. We've only had computers since, personal computers since the mid 80s. We have not evolved yet. People have carpal tunnel syndrome from their mm-hmm. laptops. People's eyes aren't good because of the blue light from the screens. Mm-hmm. People's thumbs hurt. Um, people's shoulders hurt from sitting all day in front of their laptops. We, we were not built for this. Mm -mm. Oh gosh. And so it's been a great, very rapid adaptation that we've had to do, but I don't think our bodies have adapted. Our eyes haven't adapted. Our hands, our skeletal has not adapted. Oh Mm -hmm. Lord. But should it? I think eventually you know, an adaptation takes sometimes a thousand years.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: If if things keep up, I think our hands are gonna be different. I think our eyes are gonna be different. I think we will adapt if if Mm -hmm. machines keep up like this. I don't think they're going to. I think things are gonna be implanted. And I don't, I I mean, I don't Mm -hmm. know where we're heading with AI, but for right now, especially children, I mean, yeah. one of my t- friends teaches first grade here in the city. I mean, sh- can you imagine trying to teach first graders how to read over Zoom? No.
0: no, oh, gosh. No. Right. And they
1: didn't it. But kids were flopping on their desks. They were turning off their video. They were mm, reading. Right. They were napping. They were hiding under the tables. I mean, <laughs> oh, I was thinking this morning when I was thinking about talking to the two of you that we really have lived through something all together. Right. And, and it has to be unifying on some levels. Right.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. No, I mean, Dr. Karen, walking around New York City is incredible. I mean, people talk to you on the street, it's like this, feeling of intense community and joy and just like, we made it. We did right. this together. We were so creative and resilient. We did it.
1: Yes. And I hope that's what I was saying before. And I said, I hope we don't forget that. People volunteered. People fed people. People brought food to the homeless and to the homebound. And we did come together. That's why it's so sad that these mass shootings and, you know, right. crime sprees have, have interrupted that, have interrupted So quickly. But I think to be hopeful, you asked me about my patients. everybody is you know, still struggling with what we always struggle with, but we're doing it. And I am endlessly hopeful about our resiliency as humans. Endlessly hopeful. So I wanna end on a hopeful note.
0: Oh gosh, I know that's wonderful. Can I ask one more question or no? Yeah, if, go ahead. Yes, okay, so if someone is feeling anxious and small example is going into a social setting or something that's happening is very much out of your control. Like in California, your house could be on fire or there's a hurricane hurling towards your city. Mm-hmm. What is something either that you can tell yourself or a breathing exercise well, to get through it? Well, number and one, if-
1: you know, I've done yoga. I've mentioned that for many, many years. So to me, <laughs> breathing is the quickest tool. Yeah that we all have to get our bodies regulated. So in yoga, they call it pranayama breathing, but it's basically taking long, deep breaths, maybe to the count of five or six, holding it for a second and then long exhales out. I promise you, if you can do that five times in a row, you'll start feeling the relaxation and the stress hormones diminishing reaching out to friends, seeking professional help, listening to podcasts, listening to calming apps on your phone, anything to get you what we call mindful, meaning living in the moment, not worrying about the future, not worrying about the past, but being present. And asking for help, is. if there's one thing that comes out of this mental health awareness time, it's Mm -hmm. that there is no shame Mm-hmm. in struggling and asking for help.
0: Right, of course. Thank goodness. In fact, it's a sign of strength. Oh, right. Being vulnerable, courage. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Be, right. be
1: mindful, ask mm-hmm. for help, and have fun. Find ways to have fun. Laughing is the best antidote to anything.
2: Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Well, Dr. Karen, thank you so.
1: Thank so you
0: good.
2: guys for inviting me again.
0: Oh, always. You can be our resident psychologist. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, take good care and stay safe. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning into this episode on the Style That Finds Us podcast. If you like this podcast, make sure to tell a friend and subscribe. You can be a part of growing with us. Also, do you know about our weekly newsletter? You'll get access to exclusive content in our newsletter that we don't post anywhere else. Our
2: newsletter comes out every Tuesday with the exception of the third Thursday of the month for Allison's special Celebrating Life After 40 edition. Head to the bottom of the Style That Binds Us website to subscribe.